Now, welcome everybody. Glad you're here today. And Juanetta and I are glad to be back from Alaska. I'll share a little bit about that in the sermon. However, we had a good time with Aaron and Rebecca and our grandkids. And thank you for making that possible for us. A lot of you pitched in in various ways. And of course, we got to see uh, Pastor Wilson and Cinda yesterday at Janice's memorial service. And so <clears throat> we got to tease a little bit about with, the, uh, uh, with them about some things that we heard that went on while the Myrams were here. Anyway, it wasn't so. It was just for fun. So did I say Myra? Oh, yeah. Pastor Wilson. Myron Wilson. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yes. You were bad. <laughs> well, you're not off the hook yet, Judy. <laughs> it is. I'm looking forward to the week ahead as well, as we have our annual family big game banquet scheduled for Friday evening. I am looking forward to that. And of course, you've all noticed the, the first decoration up. And some have been trying to guess at the weight, and I am not giving out any clues yet, because that's part of the function Friday night. If you guess the weight of the king salmon, or the closest to it, you get a, an award or a prize for that. Anyway, we're looking forward to those things. And I, I guess let's go ahead and start by singing My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. Number 389, everyone. 389. 389. While I'm turning there, I just happen to think about it will be nice next Sunday, Lord willing, to have our pianist back. Uh, Valerie Janung is very willing, and I look forward to that. However, they drive a Ford pickup, and it broke down in Livingston. Not really broke down. They had a check engine light, and they felt that it was best not to continue on, so they're in Livingston today as they are on their way here to Eureka to move and join all of us. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes, but I'm looking forward to their arrival. My, my faith has found a resting place. Number 389. <laughs> my faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Enough for me that Jesus saves this ends by fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him, he'll never cast me out. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. My great physician heals the sick, the lost he came to save. For me his precious blood he shed, for me his life he gave. 
I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Let's thank him for that. Our Heavenly Father, as we just sang to you, we recognize that the death, burial, and resurrection, the shedding of the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was sufficient for our salvation. <clears throat> we need no other argument. And Father, thank you that he died, and that he died for me personally, that he died for each and every one in this room as a substitute for our sin and a payment due because of our wrong. Oh, Heavenly Father, Thank you that we have been given by you, those who believe in Christ, eternal life and forgiveness of sin and that which is, <clears throat> that benefits us right now, today and tomorrow and for eternity. And Father, I ask you that in every aspect of our service today, you would be worshipped and you would be honored and glorified and that Jesus Christ would be exalted. Father, I thank you for each one who is here and ask that, your word would make a difference in our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would have free course. And Father, we also ask you that we would revel in your grace for us. Father God, again, I do ask you that you would guide throughout this week as we plan ahead toward the family big game banquet on Friday and invite others to join in on that. People in our community need Christ as well, and you know them. Father, I ask you that our speaker, Bill Jenkins, would be used of you to present the gospel so clearly that there would be decisions made for Christ Friday night. Father God, I also ask you that as we anticipate this week ahead and the rest of this month and getting into next month, Resurrection Sunday, that in every aspect, oh Father God, I ask you that you would be exalted in our lives daily. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Well, it's good to have Nanette back too. When did you get back, Nanette? Friday? Well, glad you're back. You feeling better? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'd like to ask everyone, I mean, thank everyone again for praying for us last week as we visited family in Alaska, but also were part of a meeting I'll share a little bit about that in the sermon. I think things went as well as they could under the circumstances. And thank you for praying for Juanetta also. Um, her fatigue is still very heavy. And keep praying for her, by the way. I uh, would like to, at this point, ask you to be praying and inviting praying for and inviting people to the family big game banquet there are flyers or invitations over on the 
countertop at the library there. And the activities will start at 5 o'clock, and we will have some games and quizzes, things like that, that people will be or participate in, <clears throat> where the, win the one with the best score or whatever, or the closest to the weight of the salmon, things like that, will, there will be an award for them. It's just some of the fun. But also, um, bring a dish to share, whether it's wild game like fish or birds or um, big game, that is something that we enjoy doing each year. And some of the, last year was incredible. The food that we had last year was so amazing. This room is packed, by the way. We had 65 here last year for that. And I look forward to possibly that being the case again this year. And I, it's fun to share those dishes. If you don't have game in the freezer, you can bring, of course, a salad or a dessert. There will be awards for the best or the favorite dessert things. You know, people will vote on the dishes also. So that's part of the fun that we have. Bring a picture of an, uh, an outdoor, uh, a favorite picture you have of the outdoors, and we'll have a place you can post that, and people will vote on those pictures too as, as the best outdoor picture, that kind of stuff. So we're looking forward to that, and make sure you invite people uh, that are your neighbors, your friends, your family, even your enemies. You can invite them as well. We'll be decorating Wednesday evening. We'll pray together and then decorate this room and the building for the banquet. That's part of the fun. So if you have anything like this that you want to bring as a decoration, please do. We have plenty of places around the building to display those things. So please come Wednesday night at 6 o'clock for that. More, the more the better. Before that is Tuesday's Ladies Bible Study. And then that's at 10 o'clock. Also this evening we do have Family Bible Hour here. And we'll be viewing a video titled Dinosaurs. If you're curious, were there dinosaurs alive before Noah's flood? Or after Noah's flood? Or if there were dinosaurs alive after the flood. How did they all ride on the ark? Things like that. If you have any questions about that, come and we'll enjoy the discussion tonight around a short video and then t discussion time together <clears throat> afterwards. Thank you, Shane, for presenting the age of the earth last week. How did, how, what did you decide that the earth is, how old? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, six to ten thousand years, biblically speaking, and there's a lot of evidence toward that as well. So tonight we'll be talking about dinosaurs. So if you're interested, we invite you to come, even if you're not. Also, <laughs> next Sunday, Bill Jenkins will be speaking. He is retired now. He was the former president of Continental Baptist Missions and now they're representatives for Continental Baptist Missions, and he'll be speaking in this hour and our adult Sunday school class next Sunday. And then I guess take note, we also will have our fellowship meal. We decided two weeks ago that we'd go ahead with that, so that's two meals in a row, kind of, one Friday night and then not leftovers. But an Irish theme Sunday morning next week, and I'm looking forward to the fellowship meal together. And Mountain View Manor will be next Sunday at 4 o'clock. <clears throat> now I get to uh, 
mention a couple of other things. We're looking forward to Palm Sunday on the 2nd of April and Resurrection Sunday on the 9th of April. And it's time for me to ask you to, uh, if there's anyone willing to volunteer to bring special music, maybe a solo or a duet or a, maybe a piano piece or some other instrumental on Resurrection Sunday, we could use your help. That's always fun to have plenty of music, but also if you want to read a, a related poem in the past, I'll just pick on Daryl. He has written poetry about the resurrection of Christ and it was a delight. So if you have something like that that you would like to read, please talk with me and I'll try to put the schedule together. I guess that's my job sometimes is to take loose ends and try to make sense out of it all. And so I'm looking forward to Resurrection Sunday. There will be more to it than that. We do plan again this year, though we haven't for a couple of years because of COVID issues or whatever. We haven't had a breakfast on Resurrection Sunday in the morning, but this year we plan to. So there will be more announcements about that as well coming up. Next thing on my little list is... <clears throat> It's time to have a little church family chat. Last time I said those words, somebody raised their hand and asked, are we in trouble? <laughs> and I am going to say, nobody's in trouble yet. <laughs> the Janungs are coming, and we're looking forward to them being here. I have heard a few things that I'd like to just bring to your attention. People have said... When the Janungs get here, they can do this, or they can do that, and I know they will be busy. However, it, it's not up to 40 of us to tell them what they need to do and what they don't need to do and all of that. That just makes sense. It's logical. And as far as their direction, that's my responsibility. However, I am looking forward to the Janungs coming in. There is a lot that they can do, but maybe you ought to talk with me, or even better yet, if God lays something on your heart, maybe he wants you to do it. You know, we're all part of the body of Christ, aren't we? Every one of us have responsibilities to serve the Lord in various ways in the local church. Yeah, it's not all the Janung's job now, <laughs> but I am looking forward to them being here. So having said that, that's it. That's our family chat, okay? <laughs> Hope that makes sense. Let's take a moment, stretch our legs, and... <laughs> Oh, we, we were purposely gone on our birthdays. We left because... <laughs> we figured you would try and get away with this. We actually sang for you last week along with Did Blake, you? but we thought we should do this. Oh, so, you guys. Yeah, Juanetta's birthday was on the 8th, Pastor Matt's on the 11th. Uh, so after the fact, let us all sing happy birthday to you. Oh, happy birthday to you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Oh, careful, Juanetta. It's booby trap. Who would do such a thing? <laughs> yeah. Our, our church janitor isn't here today, so I better not just toss it down. <laughs> that is a beautiful card. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Okay, now let's stand, stretch our legs, greet those around you, and in a moment then we'll sing Blessed Assurance.
I'd like to ask you to take your songbooks and open your songbooks to number 381, Blessed Assurance. Number 381, Blessed Assurance. Aren't you glad that it's not up to us, but it's up to him? He keeps those saved that have trusted in him. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. 381, verse 1. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Man, you come and receive the offering that God's laid on each heart. Some have called the Bible a personal love letter from God. Take your copy. Please stand for scripture reading and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 for our scripture reading together today. Well, good morning, everybody. Mike and Wendy, so nice to have you back. Nanette, welcome home. Ephesians 5, 6-11 Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as the children of light. For the fruit of the scripture is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving that is that it is acceptable unto the Lord 
and have no fellowship with the unfaithful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Amen. Thank you for the reading and God's word, Tom. Let's open our songbooks to At Calvary, number 278, while Children's Church is dismissed. Number 278, remain standing as we sing 278 at Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Verse 4. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. You may be seated and open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I have enjoyed going through the book of Galatians in our time together, Sunday mornings, for the last few months. A week ago, yesterday, as Juanetta and I and a family drove back to Palmer, Alaska from the Kenai Peninsula, I noticed the willow bushes along the Turnigan Arm. <laughs> um, though there was more snow, because they had more snow than we did, this winter, there was more snow left over. The pussy willows along the Turnigan Arm were out. They're ahead of us. That's incredible, and that was fun. I enjoy picking pussy willows each spring. It's a, a <clears throat> Juanetta's favorite time of year is spring, and pussy willows remind her of spring, so I go find some if I can. Anybody know of any pussy willows out here yet? You've seen. You think you've seen some? <laughs> Did you get some already, Bill? No, not, no, yet. Not, not yet. It's something I enjoy. So anyway, it is a sign of spring, and if it's coming to Alaska already, I mean, it is here too. It reminds me that spring is at the door tomorrow on our calendars. Shows us that, right? I don't know that the calendar makes any difference at all, but first day of spring is tomorrow. Yay! We've seen robins. Anybody else seen robins? Yeah, a few of us. Okay. And of course, the geese and ducks are out in the field right now. Grouse, you said? Oh, grass. Oh, grass. Okay. You can see that it's not green yet, though, is it? What <laughs> won't be right? Yeah. And I've seen starlings. Anybody seen a bluebird yet? No. Usually we see them, and we've kept track of it, by March 10th. 
usually. But not this year. The fruit trees will be budding soon, won't they, Randy? The buds will be getting fatter on your apple trees soon, won't they? Yeah. yeah? Time to spray then, right? Yeah. yeah. Did I say fruit? <laughs> I did. We have been considering the fruit of the Spirit for the last few weeks. Now, I'll be focusing one sermon on uh, a couple of the fruit of the Spirit. But before we do that, let's go to God in prayer and ask for him to guide us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we see your hand, the evidence of your omnipotence and omniscience in creation all around us. Thank you that we can enjoy the changing of the seasons. You've promised that they would continue until the new heavens and new earth are formed in the future. And Father God, I thank you that we can enjoy eventually green grass and, and the warmth of the spring and summer ahead. And yet, Father, we trust you for your provision for us day in, day out. More importantly, the spiritual matters of life. Father God, as we consider the fruit of the Spirit as part of our lives, that you are the one who give, gives us that fruit even greater than our daily sustenance. Father, I thank you that we can enjoy the fruit of the Spirit in our personal lives and express them to others through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I ask you that today, as we study a little further into Galatians chapter 5, that you would bless our time together, that your word would make a difference, and that you would be exalted. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In Galatians chapter 5, we have been looking at verses 20, verse 22 for a couple of Sundays in the past, which says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. And of course, it continues into verse 23. I focused one sermon on rotten fruit, the fruit of the flesh found in verses 19 through 21. There were 17 of them. And then three so far on the good fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Where does fruit come from? Where do fruit trees come from? God's word likens us to trees in this analogy I know God likens us to sheep or goats or wolves or whatever, but trees? I wondered about that analogy. That's not very flattering, really. Although trees can be beautiful, they're either good and useful or in, in the way and a liability sometimes. Trees in themselves are not very smart, Trees take up space. We enjoy the shade, but they're basically fragile. I mean, I know that some trees are very, very old, but they need just the right weather. They need just the right moisture, the just the right soil to survive. And then there are the deer and elk that seem to do so much damage. There was a tree that was living north of us here, closer to the border, that was over 600 years old. It was in its own little environment in the bottom of a kettle and it received more moisture there, protection from the winds blowing over 
all of that, and it lived a long time. Trees, maybe the analogy is not that far off that we're likened to trees. Let's read Matthew 7. Keep your finger in Galatians chapter 5. Go to Matthew chapter 7, and we'll look at the words of the Lord Jesus on, in his famous Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. (laughs) Jesus, in his famous Sermon on the Mount, likened us to two kinds of trees, either good or evil or bad. There are two kinds of fruits produced by the trees as well. But the fruit of the Spirit, Adam Clark says, verse 22, both flesh, the sinful dispositions of the human heart, and spirit, the changing or purified state of the soul, by the grace and spirit of God, are represented by the apostle as trees, one yielding good, the other bad fruit. The productions of each being according to the nature of the tree, as the tree is according to the nature of the seed from which it sprung. The bad seed produced a bad tree, yielding all manner of bad fruit. The good seed produced a good tree, bringing forth fruits of most excellent kind. As we get back to Galatians chapter 5, let's recognize a few key matters in all of this. Namely, the rotten and bad fruit is a product of man's way, the natural way, the flesh. And the good fruit is a product produced in and through a person by God the Holy Spirit. Another key matter is that the natural man, the unsaved, generally and naturally end up producing bad fruit because that is the seed which was sown in the human heart through the fall in Eden and propagated by the devil, our adversary. Pastor Wilson last week (laughs) made the statement, we are our own worst enemies. And I have an idea of where he went with that. Yet, as we study Galatians, we soon recognize that this epistle was written by the Apostle Paul to whom? Who was this epistle written to? To believers in the province of Galatia, not just the lost and the saved, but believers in Galatia, members of local churches in that province of the Roman Empire. So does that mean Christians can produce the 17 bad fruit? It does. Some modern-day theologians teach that there is no such thing as a backslidden Christian. Some of you have heard about that and read about that. Either they're not Christians, or 
they will remain faithful every day of their lives. It, there's no room in their theology for a backslidden Christian. Our Bibles take that notion and false teaching to task, I believe. This is one example. Look at verse 13 in, our, in chapter 5. Verse 13 says, For brethren, this is written to believers, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Ye, believers, this is a warning to all of us. We can, sadly, backslide and produce rotten fruit. Peter himself is taken to task in Galatians chapter 2. Go to Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. I know this is somewhat of a review, but look what happens here. Peter was a believer. He was one of the close apostles to the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course he was a believer. He had witnessed the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and believed. Verse 11, chapter 2 Verse 11 says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And other Jews dissembled likewise with him. That's hypocrisy. In so much that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation or hypocrisy. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, both Peter and Barnabas, yes, Peter and Barnabas, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles, or after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? <clears throat> yes, and Peter was the one who, on the night before his crucifixion, denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. Our Bibles take this notion that there's no such thing as a backslidden Christian to task. We just talked about Peter. How about Jacob, way back in the, New in the Old Testament, I mean, way back in the Old Testament, back in Genesis, and his deceptions and his immoralities. Jacob was a believer, and he was restored to the Lord. God is the God of restoration and change. How about Samson? We know about Samson, that backslidden judge of Israel. David, the man after God's own heart. How about John Mark in the New Testament? Many, many examples point to Yes, a believer, a Christian, can fall into sin and backslide. But they, ought, they will not stay there. They ought not stay there. The point is, it's possible for a believer to backslide into worldly ways, even the fruit of the flesh. But God, 
I want to emphasize that. But God is so great, he provides a way out. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 10.13 is one that <clears throat> many of us have memorized, <clears throat> which tells us, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make the way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. <clears throat> God is the God that provides a way out and reconciliation and restoration to the one who backslides. He is the God of second chances. Now we need to emphasize this out of Galatians 5.22. It starts with the article of speech, but. So in verses 17 through 19, we have that rotten fruit produced by the flesh, by a backsliding Christian. It is possible. But, verse 22, starts out, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, and so on. I'm glad for that word, but there. That article of speech says this is on one hand, but this is the other. And that means a real believer will not stay backslidden, will not want to produce bad fruit, but will desire good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Those are some key points in all of this. That is why I'm spending more time on verses 22 and 23 than I did on the previous verses. Because God wants our focus to be in the right direction. He wants our focus to be on Him and moving forward with Him. Here is some counsel for us all Okay, in all of this. If we focus on the bad, guess what we'll find? Yeah. If we focus, if our focus is on our Savior and the good things that he produces in and through a believer, guess what we'll find? The good. I've said to some that needed this statement, and there are times I've needed this statement, Let's go forward from here with the Lord. That was then, and this is now. Let's go forward with him. Our Apostle Paul, who wrote Galatians, of course, was God's penman for Galatians, wrote to the Philippians as well. In chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, he said, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, those things that would cause him to stumble or struggle, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, the good things with the Lord, I press, I toward the mark or the goal of the, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That ought to be our focus. I don't know what your state is. I know that in my In my life, there have been times I've needed to focus on the Lord, trust in Him for another chance, and put those things behind which would cause me to stumble or fall in this race in life and take His hand and go forward with Him. So, dear Christian, if you're dealing with an area of bad fruit in your life, 
put it behind you. You can in the power of the Holy Spirit who convicts and enables. He doesn't just convict, but he certainly does that. Many of you know the weight of guilt. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. But that's not all he does. He enables you to go forward with good fruit in your life and press toward the mark, the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So then with the Spirit's help, day by day, we can bear good fruit. The first one, love. And the next one, joy and peace. We have already explored are those, uh, those fruit that we consider upward between God and me and me and God. And then the next three, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness, are those fruit that are expressed outwardly or manwardly between me and others. And then faith, meekness, and temperance are an inward fruit of the Spirit or a manward, a selfward, I should say, a selfward. We've looked at love, joy, peace, and long-suffering. Let's continue to consider the next two. Gentleness is the Greek Christotes, and it is a rare grace. It's, it's not found very often in the Bible, and it's an attribute. It is something positive. It's a rare grace given from God, and it has to do with character. Now, there are good characters out there, but there are bad characters out there. This is good character, where one strives and learns moral excellence. This gentleness stems from a moral excellence in the person and then applies polished manners. It really has to do with being good man- having good manners. It's part of that and puts it all to practice making it useful toward others. It is a, a gentle spirit produced by God where the Christian can come alongside in their walk with the Lord and instead of pointing out other people's failures, instead of pointing out and being critical will gently, kindly, thoughtfully help their brother or sister. It is a quiet grace with maturity. And then they'll encourage recovery without being demeaning or arrogant. Now that's, that is a God-given grace. We can't drum that up on our own. Let me repeat that. Without being demeaning or arrogant, they'll help, quietly help a brother or sister in the right direction. This word, gentleness, implies politeness. Wow, that is a rare grace, even among Christians. It's almost unheard of in our competitive world Even believers all too often vie for and maneuver to gain some perceived prominence by walking on other people's backs, don't they? That's not gentleness, nor is it kind. I've been around a few godly individuals in my life whose character was Christotes' character, a biblical gentleness. One retired pastor and I met with a family who had just lost a loved one. He spoke gently and he spoke quietly to the family who were gathered there that day. 
He spoke with respect. He listened with respect and thoughtfulness. And one by one, the family opened up. Soon, they were sharing some joyful memories of their loved one who had passed. They were all put to ease by this man who had the fruit of gentleness flowing out of him that day. He was used of God to comfort a grieving family. He was not critical or in any way self-absorbed. He was focused on them and the Lord used him to bring about healing in a family. I simply sat there in awe of what we saw, wishing I could be like that. And you know, you and I can. It was as if he was a grandpa putting his gentle arms around the children. We need more genuine gentleness in Christian homes. We need more genuine gentleness in local Bible-believing churches and ministries today. But Pastor Ross didn't develop that on his own. It was the fruit of the Spirit. That's where it came from. And you and I are given that self-same Spirit. Did you know that? Will you let him develop gentleness in you? Then there is goodness. The next one in verse 22. It's the Greek word agathosune, or sune, speaks of that virtue of being good. It is used four times in the Bible, four times in the New Testament, and is always translated goodness. <laughs> I even looked at other translations, and it's goodness. That's what it means. It's just goodness. We all have an idea of what goodness is. And maybe this word goes further than what we typically think, but it begins in the believer with good, wholesome, clean, pure thoughts in the mind and in the heart. That's where it begins. Thus, a good person produces good fruit. Morally and ethically and spiritually, it, ha it stems from a good person. Then the good person expresses this good moral character by doing good for others and being good to all. Did I say all? Yes, I mean all. Even in cases where the one we help is not worthy and not deserving or entitled to our good help. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit beginning with, begins with love. Agape love, that's God's kind of love. This goodness is enabled by the love of God. That is how it is enabled. We cannot do this. We, <laughs> we can't live this goodness on our own by our own strength. It is not a do-it-yourself project. It is a fruit of the Spirit. A little over a week ago, we attended some meetings in Alaska there were a few, and I want to emphasize few, Christians present that seemed to being, they were so arrogant. It hurt to hear it and see it. They were self-promoting, and their demeanor and comments were the opposite of good. 
It grieved us. They attempted to discredit and hurt others. For what? I don't know. I don't know their hearts, and I don't want to presume I do. All I could do was observe. What I do know is, even though they did not express goodness, the majority present treated them with God's goodness. They were treated different than they deserved. They were not treated in kind, if you will, of what they dished out. As one pastor put it, they were treated more graciously than they deserved, and that is true. That is goodness. This goodness is from God the Holy Spirit. Here are a few uses of it in the New Testament. Second Thessalonians 1.11 tells us it's from God. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him. Do you see that? We can't do it on our own. Only in him and his goodness can that fruit be produced in us and through us according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That was 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. In Psalm 30, 34, <laughs> verse 8, our Bibles I hope you have this tucked away in your mind. In Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I didn't even have to go there. Romans 15, 14 says, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. And here's the outcome. Able also to admonish one another. Goodness starts within and produces building up of others, not tearing them down. Ephesians 5, 8, and 9, and 10 say, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. You can, I can, we all can because He can. He does provide goodness for those who walk in the Spirit. How is your walk in the Holy Spirit today? Are you producing these fruit that we looked at today? It may mean that you have an area in your life to confess before him and to forsake for him and to walk forward with him in newness of life, but also in producing the fruit of the Spirit. You can. He loves you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, 
faith. Heavenly Father, I don't know the hearts of everyone here today, but you do. You know what needs to be done for us to be able to honor you and focus on you as the provider of these fruit of the Spirit that must be, that need to be expressed in our lives for your honor and glory. Father God, if there is anyone here today that hasn't yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, I ask you, Father God, that they would make sure of that decision today. Talk with one of us that know Christ and that they can learn for themselves the way through faith in our Savior, but also make that decision theirs and personal today and to be able to have a different life. We realize the life you have given us, that this wonderful eternal life is not just for the future by and by, but it is presently, presently ours today. We have eternal life. And with it, we have a newness of life that ought to be bring, bring us joy and peace. But out of love for you, honor you by expressing long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness toward others. And Heavenly Father, I ask you that if there's a decision that needs to be made to set aside some weight that would beset us, that that person would give that wholly, completely to you today, and that that decision would be honored through the rest of their lives, but also that the Holy Spirit would enable and that we would be those who treat each other in a way that brings honor and glory to you in every area of our lives. Father God, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for your omniscience, knowing every detail of our lives, and your omnipotence, being powerful enough to take something that is flawed and make it for good in a person. I pray in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Before we sing our last song, I would like to say this. If there's anyone that wants to include me in a prayer request after the service is over, please talk with me or my wife. I'd be glad to pray for you in any one of these areas, especially if you need Christ as your Savior. We'd be glad to share the gospel with you today. Let's stand open our songbooks to 272 and sing Jesus paid it all Jesus paid it all let's sing verses 1 and 4 as we dismiss today it's 276 thank you very much 276 Jesus paid it all verses 1 and 4 I hear the Savior say thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Verse 4. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save. 
my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Hope to see you all again this evening.